I'm so pleased to be joined today by Ava de Cruzet. Um, she's the Chief People Officer and VP Strategy and Biz Ops at GoCardless, the London-based fintech. Prior to joining GoCardless, Ava worked in a variety of tech businesses, including Just Eat and Expedia, leading strategic and transformational initiatives, launching new revenue streams and managing internal change. She started her career in management consulting at KPMG in New York and holds a BSc in finance and accounting from New York University and an MBA from the Wharton School of Business. Ava lives in North London with her husband. So Ava, thank you so much for joining us today on the Leadership Lessons podcast. It's a real pleasure to be able to speak to you about your experience of the last year and some of the nuggets of wisdom that you might be able to share for others and the lessons that you've learned along the way. Um, we've been talking a bit about some of the lessons learned and the lessons shared people across industry in leadership roles. And I'm really curious to hear your take on and how it's been at GoCardless. So what have been the most significant challenges and opportunities through this period for you personally and within the business? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really um, excited to have this conversation and, and to hear about how other companies have navigated 2020. Um, in terms of the most significant challenges, I would say there's probably a couple of things that come to mind immediately. The first one is how do we provide our employees with a sense of stability in the most uncertain of times? How do we answer their questions about the future when we ourselves don't have any answers and we're operating in this um, complete lack of predictability. Mm -hmm. So that's been really challenging because I think um, stability and certainty uh, are, you know, pretty important factors in um, happiness, not just at work, but in your life in general. And we haven't been able to provide that uh, to our employees. The second challenge would be around walking the fine line between um, not getting derailed in our plans as a business, or at least not getting completely derailed, <laughs> while at the same time being respectful and mindful of our employees' challenges and their specific circumstances. So a great example of this is um, with parents. How can we possibly expect parents whose kids are now home from school, right, back when the schools were closed, to be as productive as they were when their kids were in school all day? Mm. Um, or how, could, how can we expect someone who lives with, you know, three flatmates who might be working from their bed, literally, mm. to be as motivated and as productive as someone who has a home office. But at the same time, on the other side, how do we not get into the territory of, well, you know, objectives don't matter anymore and targets don't matter anymore. So how do you walk that fine line um, between those two sides? And I, I don't think we were able to really crack it in a systematic way, more in a, at an individual level. Mm. In terms of the opportunities um, on the other side of things, um, I, I think the biggest, the biggest opportunity that we really only see in hindsight is that um, going through this crisis as a business has actually reinforced the sense that we're one team, one go cardless. Um, so something really special happened with the move to remote working, which is that all of a sudden you're letting each other people were letting each other into their own personal lives a bit more, right? So you, you see people's kids, you see their babies, um, you see their living rooms, their kitchens, their bedrooms. And um, in, in addition to that, obviously because nothing about this year was normal, you, we couldn't have possibly gone through this year while not opening up some really 
difficult topics of conversations and, and having really real and authentic conversations, whether, whether it was about mental health, whether it was about you know, racism and police brutality, whether it was about um, physical well-being or lack thereof. And so I think kind of the combination of, or, or actually it was really the blending of work life and personal life that happened in many ways that reinforced this sense of we're one team, we're all in this together and we're not just coworkers, we're actually, we care about each other as human beings. Mm. Um, and, and like I said, I, I think this is only something it was an opportunity that, that we definitely captured, but I think we're only really able to reflect on it in hindsight now. Mm. And um, this is really coming out in our engagement survey that we just ran, mm. where amazingly, despite the work that the, the year that we've had, we have managed to maintain our engagement levels since last year, which is, I would never have been able to predict that. And one of the key themes that emerged is that people really feel like they're part of a team. That sense of togetherness. Yes, exactly. Mm. And what have you done practically to kind of evoke that sense of togetherness within the team during this time? So I can talk about some of the practical things we did. Um, but before I go into that, I think that at the root of it all, mm. it's not so practical, actually. It's more about our culture. And, um, and our values, but, but even I would say values that we don't necessarily have explicitly defined yet as a business. And so I, I don't think that we would have gotten through this year um, and, and gotten stronger because of it if it weren't for the fact that um, we have a culture of you know, integrity and caring and compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and so integrity is actually one of our values, but caring and compassion, we don't have explicitly defined as values. And, and now I'm wondering, maybe we should. <laughs> um, but so in terms of the practical things we did, which to me were just practical manifestations of, of that culture, right? Um, we invested a lot in um, well-being, whether it was physical well-being of our employees. So in the move to remote working, making sure that people were set up the right way with um, monitors and keyboards. And um, I think some people even bought, you know, desks and chairs because they didn't have that. <laughs> um, so that's kind of on the, on the physical well-being side of things. Um, the, the mental well-being, um, and we really put a big focus on that this year in terms of both having the conversation. Um, so whether it was in, in panel discussions or um, by putting kind of resources at the fingertips of our employees, like mental health first aiders, mm -hmm. um, or you know, reminding everybody that we have access through our benefits providers to assistance programs, et cetera, um, just really um, bringing that whole theme of mental health to the forefront and being comfortable in, in having um, that, that discussion in a really open and transparent way. Um, and then I think there was a, a big focus on um, taking time out or taking time off. Um, so we did what we call GC days where uh, there was one Friday a month from, if I remember correctly, we started it in July. So from July through September, and then we did another one in November where the entire business was shut down. Mm. Um, obviously, we were still running operations for our merchants, et cetera, but um, that ensured that everybody took time off and no one was going to be even tempted to check their emails because nobody else was on email, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then the final thing that I would say is uh, we put a big focus on equipping our managers with the tools and coaching they needed to, for them to in turn help their teams navigate this environment. Because I think it's a very different experience to go through if you're just an individual contributor who, sh sure, you're going to be struggling with, you know, all the, all the challenges that the year uh, threw at us. But if you're a manager who also has those struggles, but you need to create a sense of stability for your team, mm -hmm. how do you juggle that? So we put a lot of focus on, on equipping them with the right tools there. Yeah, and that was something you mentioned before, kind of making it more, uh, making those conversations around mental health more open and more comfortable. So great to hear that you've invested in that upskilling of the managers so that they feel more comfortable with that as well. That's right. And also we talked about today as well, before today, about the holidays and how a lot of businesses have really struggled to um, tread that fine line of making sure people take holiday without enforcing it, but making sure it's accessible to people because so many people have experienced burnout this year because they've been resistant to taking time off when they can't go anywhere or do anything with the time. I love this idea around the GC days. It just, it facilitates that so much more easily and, and takes the pressure off people feeling like they should be doing something as well. Absolutely. Um, so I guess you've kind of, you've been iterating the process and you've been learning along the way. Um, so from the first lockdown, you reflect back to what you were doing then. How have you applied things differently along the way and, and what are you doing differently now? So I think the first thing was being more systematic about managing lockdowns, right? Because at a certain point we realized um, for us as a, as a business that operates in five countries, not just in the UK, we had different parts of our organization go into lockdown and out of lockdown at different points. Mm -hmm. And um, at a certain point we realized we know there's going to be this back and forth, back and forth between lockdown, not lockdown, lockdown, not lockdown. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science at the end of the day in terms of the steps we need to take. Um, there's a piece around comms, right? Making everybody aware that, okay, we're gonna shut down the office. Mm -hmm. um, there's a piece around, um, you know, all the, the themes that I already mentioned, right? Making sure that um, you, buy what you need to be uh, productive at home from a desk setup perspective. And here's how much you're able to you know, spend. There's a piece around mental health, reminding everybody of um, the resources that are available to them. <clears throat> There's a piece around, um, actually one thing that I didn't mention is uh, this kind of surprise and delight for our employees, right? So uh, for example, when France went back into lockdown in I think it was late October, early November, we sent every um, Paris employee a gift hamper, um, which was you know, a nice assortment of uh, snacks and chocolates and all that. And we didn't tell them that we were gonna do that. So it's, it's you know, the same kind of, um, certainly the same themes that you have to think about. It's the same kind of mechanics that you have to put in place. So why don't we just make it more systematic? And we say, when we go into lockdown, these are the things that we need to do mm -hmm. so that we're not scrambling around and to my point around um, providing certainty to our employees. You know, I think one of the worst experiences for our, our employees is when they hear what's going on in the news, but they don't know how it translates into work, right? So I'm hearing that we might go into lockdown, but can I still go into the office? And I really need to know because I want to be able to plan out my week and I want to know if I should actually get out of London 
and go, you know, to my parents' house. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, when you systematize, you're able to provide more certainty more quickly. Yeah. Get ahead of the curve. So people know where they're at personally and how that affects them in the bigger picture. Exactly. And, um, and so you've, you've applied all this systemization in terms of um, how you supported the employees within GoCardless. I'm curious about how this has impacted you personally. So in this leadership role, there's a lot of responsibility, right, in terms of making sure that you're taking the right approach for people. And as you say, when we went into this year, none of us knew what was going to happen. None of us knew how we were going to respond to this. So there was a huge amount of uncertainty for all of us, including the leaders, leading the, leading the ship, kind of um, steering everyone along the way. So what's, what's helped you personally in managing the pressure of this year? Yeah, um, you know, this comes back to the point I was making earlier about when you're a manager or a leader, you, you're experiencing this, these challenges in two ways, right? You're, there's the personal challenge that you're going through. Mm -hmm. And then there's this leadership role that you're playing where you have to make sure that you're helping your team mm -hmm. and you're, um, you're giving them, you know, that sense of stability, that sense of optimism, um, the sense that this is a safe place that, um, you know, you can um, raise more personal topics in. So for me, in terms of how I've um, personally experienced the year and then how I've kind of, what I've done to be able to navigate it um, better, is um well it's been very challenging right and and that's um i am pretty sure everybody will tell you that um what i realized was really helpful to me um was first of all creating structure for myself mm -hmm. and that's something that i underestimated about the pre-covid world how much that daily commute how much being in a different physical space to do my work was providing a sense of structure where my brain literally knew this is work time and this is not work time, right? So I had to find ways to recreate that while being stuck at home. So I actually started doing morning walks and evening walks to trick my brain into thinking that I was commuting. Yeah. I also dedicated uh, this room that we're <laughs> that I'm talking to you from to uh, for work, and I really try to not do work outside of this room in my flat. Um, so, so creating, um, you know, the, those, those tricks for my brain to think that there's actually much more structure in my environment than, than there actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing was, um, increasing, uh, my, the workouts that I did and my meditation practice. So I've, I've had a meditation practice for a couple of years now. I meditate every day, twice a day, but, um, it was, you know, frequently in the past I would say, oh, well, I'm only going to do five minutes or instead of doing my two meditations a day, I'm just gonna do one. And, um, or with the workouts, you know, it would be easy to, for me to say, as long as I work out two to three times a, a week, I'll be fine. And here, what I found really um, valuable is to say, actually, no, the meditation and workouts are a daily thing. And um, it, it actually also helps to create that structure, but it, it, it was an outlet, it has been an outlet for me to really, kind of release tension and anxiety and stress and, and almost like find that safe place for myself. Mm. And then the last thing that I, that I would bring up is, um, and this is where it starts shifting into the, the leadership 
um, aspect of how I've been experiencing this as a leader, at a certain point, I decided to be more compassionate with myself mm-hmm. and say to myself, you know what, if today is a day that I'm finding particularly difficult and I'm struggling because um, I haven't slept, I, I suffer from insomnia, which definitely um, uh, kind of flared up throughout the, the COVID crisis. Um, so if, if I'm, if I'm basically not feeling it, I'm not going to try to hide it. Right. And I'm going to be, um, compassionate w- with myself in terms of how much I'm going to expect out of myself for the day, but also in terms of what image I'm going to project to my team. Mm-hmm. There's no point in pretend, pretending to be, you know, really strong and having it all together. If that's not what's happening, because actually it creates this opposite, um, effect from what I'm intending, which is that my team thinks that they have to pull it together. Yeah. So I'm just going to be transparent and say, you know what? I'm struggling today. We're all struggling. Let's talk about it. Mm. Yeah. And that in itself creates a sense of psychological safety for the team as well when you're becoming vulnerable. Exactly. But pressure off yourself at the same time. So it's almost like that double-edged sword in a positive way, you know? Um, Totally. And so leading on from that, what impact have the events of 2020 had on your own engagement and well-being? So in terms of the, uh, I don't want to use the word negative, but more um, challenging aspects of it, I think, um, you know, I, I had to put more focus than I normally would on um, the, the, the mental health challenges that I, I've actually, I, I've known about and, um, dealt with for a long time. I actually, um, you know, we did a mental health panel back in, I think it was in May of this year, where a few of us went on a zoom call with about 200 people from the, around the company, um, dialed in and, um, four or five of us shared our experiences with mental health. And I just, opened up and I said, um, you know, I've, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, um, X number of years ago. Um, and this is my journey, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and so firstly, I would have never done that, uh, in even a year ago, I don't think I would have even considered it remotely possible to open up in such a vulnerable way to, 200 people, <laughs> um, you know, at a time. So, um, so I think, you know, I, I, what 2020 has done is um, it's exposed that because it, it heightened so much of my mental health issues that I got to a point where I was actually, I realized I was better off talking about it than trying to hide it. But also on a more personal level, I had to invest more time and thought into managing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I talked a little bit about, you know, the increased um, pace of exercise and making sure that I'm religiously sticking to my meditation practice. Um, I had to do that because everything was flaring up, right? My anxiety, um, insomnia, um, you know, times where I felt really uh, demotivated and, and depressed and times when I thought, you know, I, I, I can't face the day today, right. Which are things that I've dealt with for my entire life. But in this context, it was much more frequent and, and much more 
powerful, right? So, um, so I had to acknowledge that and accept that and just put in the work to manage it. Um, but conversely, you know, taking that step of being more open about it, which I wouldn't have been able to do, certainly if it weren't for the external events of 2020, but I also wouldn't have been able to do if it weren't for the amazing culture that we have at GC mm. um, that I talked a little bit about, right? Around um, transparency and, and integrity and caring and being compassionate. Because if I felt like I was gonna be the only person opening up and if I felt like no one was going to listen and people were just going to walk away and, and close their ears, I would never have been comfortable having that conversation. Um, but actually it was the opposite effect where I felt, I felt more confident after that panel and I felt um, like it had been, people had been really receptive to it and I felt more connected um, to people as a result. So there was that lesson around being, being more vulnerable and that being a good thing and leading to a better place actually. Yeah. And, and I guess hearing that other people within your team, especially within the leadership team, feeling comfortable to share that as well. Just Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, there was another exec actually on that mental health panel who, um, it was a male. So it was nice to have kind of both sides of, of, um, you know, the gender, um, uh, balance kind of talking about it. And I, I think it was really powerful. I, I know that for both of us personally, it was very powerful to be able to take that step. But I, I also think that for the organization, it was really powerful for them to see two senior people opening up yeah. um, so willingly. And two different experiences as well. That's because right. a person's experience of mental health isn't going to be the same for everybody else so uh, give, giving a range of experiences can be incredibly powerful for the team uh, yeah um so what have you you know you talked a bit before about um the challenges of this year including um racism and brutality from the police and um what have you done internally to promote better under an um, understanding around internal oppression and privilege and the intersectionality within the team. So the, the caveat to what I'm going to say is that I, I don't think we've done enough. And I'm not saying this um, as a criticism of Go Cardless. I'm just saying that probably there, there's nothing that could be enough, right? And so I'll tell you a little bit about some of the steps we've taken. But, you know, I think um, there is a responsibility that we have um, as, as a, I was going to say as a business, but I almost want to say as a community, right? Because ultimately we as an employee base are a community to continue to push the conversation forward and to continue to, to have that tough conversation um, and to make sure that it's not always just driven from people who are directly impacted by the events, right? So we have a bean group, Ego Carlos, who has been very active this year in um, bringing the conversation forward through uh, panels where um, kind of the, the history of police brutality was talked about. Um, quite a few members of the bean group or just other employees across the organization talked about their own experiences with racism. Interest of the listeners, because I know you've mentioned the Bean Group to me before. Could, could you just explain what the Bean Group is for people listening who aren't familiar with it? 
Yes, absolutely. So our, our Beam Group is an employee-driven group. Uh, one of our uh, many organizations that are employee that are employee run um, that specifically focuses on um, diversity of ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, so we uh, obviously when when all the the events around you know the uh, George Floyd death um, arose, this group was really at the center of the discussion because they are specifically focused on issues relating to, um, you know, inclusion and diversity of uh, various ethnicities, Mm -hmm. whether it's um, black, Asian, um, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and by the way, they, so as I mentioned, we have other groups that are employee led, um, but they all have this running theme around uh, diversity and inclusion running through them. So we have an LGBT, LGBT, I can never say that word (laughs) um, (laughs) right the first time. LGBTQ um, group that obviously focuses on on uh, more of the kind of uh, gay and lesbian and transgender, et cetera, uh, issues. And then we also have um, a group called Inspiring, which is much more about gender. Um, so kind of, it's actually not about necessarily just pushing women, the discussion about women to the forefront, it's much more about gender equality, actually, which is interesting. So all, all those groups kind of worked hand, work hand in hand to push the DNI conversation um, throughout the, the entire business. But the BEAM group in particular was at the center of um, organizing the events around um, over the summer, the discussion of police brutality, racism, et cetera. So, um, so they uh, organized, as I was saying, some some panels. Um, they uh, they had people um, across the organization talk about the interplay between um, the kind of racism and mental health, mm. right? And both from the perspective of what impact does it have on your mental health, but also how is mental health talked about in different communities. Right, which is really uh, interesting. And interesting um, about within the healthcare system as well, because there's some absolutely, really- yeah, yes. The the stats are pretty scary when you look at um, how race actually impacts access to healthcare, but also even when you have access, the quality of care that you get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly when you look at the stats around COVID, mm-hmm. um, it's very clear that that all ethnic groups were not affected in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, But the other piece was, and I think this is the trickiest part, right, which is making sure that the people driving the conversation are not always the the underdogs, right? The people driving the conversation are not the people who are um, in a position of um, being oppressed, Mm -hmm. right? They are being um, actually, you know, pulled forward by their colleagues and their other community members who are in positions that um, benefit, you know, where, where they don't have to deal with racism, mm-hmm. where they don't feel oppressed and making sure that those are the people who get um, involved. And those are the people who are comfortable talking about these issues and who are comfortable asking the right questions and who are comfortable changing their behavior. Um, and so I think we, we made some good strides this year around this where we had much greater participation of, um, uh, you know, our, our white employee base in things like the Slack channel that the Bean Group operates 
or um, you know a, a fundraising drive that we did around um, right after the, the George Floyd events, making sure that um, we talked about these issues actually in our town halls mm-hmm. where the entire company joins, um, making sure that we have uh, participation from uh, a wide range of people in terms of the, the events and the panels that we'll put together. But I think there's so much more we need to do mm-hmm. to really make sure that um, we're, we're all talking about it rather than, you know, a minority of people in the company. There's pockets, yeah. yeah. And by the way, this is a consistent thread with everybody that I've spoken to, this sense that people are making strides, but everyone feels like they're not doing enough with this because it's such a big topic. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of people listening will be will resonate with this as well. Um, but yeah, I guess centuries of oppression won't be undone overnight, will they? That is right, yeah. that this year has started opening up so many of those important conversations. Um, you talked a bit about um, racism and uh, mental health and the and the relationship between the two. Um, we've talked about mental health and a little bit already today and including your own experiences so thank you for sharing so openly around that um what have been the biggest challenges or the or what are the biggest challenges and barriers that you think businesses face in supporting mental and emotional experiences of their teams i think it comes down to one simple thing which is psychological safety Mm. because we've taken so many steps as a business to create, to try to create a safe space mm-hmm. for our employees to say, um, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be open about whatever they're struggling with. And we've given them resources, whether it's, you know, mental health first aiders or resources through our benefits providers, um, we've equipped our managers with, you know, the tools to, to help their teams navigate these uncertain times. But at the end of the day, I'm still hearing on more on an individual basis, right. On a one-on-one basis about, you know, from people who are struggling and are not comfortable talking about it with our manager. Mm. And I don't think it's the necessarily the manager's fault, right. I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily that the manager is doing it's more how do you how do you erase that stigma that has existed for decades around mental health you know this this belief that there needs to be this complete separation between who you are at work and who you are in your personal life and that the two cannot mix and that there is a certain behavior that is expected of you at work and a certain um, personality even that is expected from you at work. How do you start breaking down that barrier when it's been drilled into people's minds for so long? Mm. Um, and so I think it doesn't mean that we, we should stop what we're doing quite the opposite. It means we need to continue to invest in all of the ways that we've invested this year in terms of employee well-being and mental health. So having the discussion, in really open settings, making sure that people, especially more senior people within the organization, um, talk about their experiences, um, ensuring that we have resources at the fingertips of our employees. Mm. But I think it's going to be kind of a deeper cultural shift that's gonna need to happen Mm -hmm. of 
people willing and, and, and feeling comfortable and, and safe in, and, and feeling that there's not going to be any kind of negative impact on their career mm-hmm. if they tell their manager or somebody else at work, I'm struggling and I need time off or I'm struggling and I need to talk to someone. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest challenge. And what about the challenge around emotional literacy? We were talking a lot about kind of people's perception of judgment for sharing challenges with mental health and how that might impact their career. My suspicion is that a lot of people, especially in the UK, may struggle to articulate their emotional experiences. Mm. That's a really interesting, um, a really interesting question because this is where, again, to me, it comes back to the this separation between work life and personal life, where actually the, the experiences that you've been through in whatever community you grew up in mm-hmm. will shape how comfortable you are uh, talking about certain things, right? And, and that's true of mental health, but it's also true of the other topics we discussed, right? Racism and et cetera. Um, and I, I think to me, it comes it comes down to a couple of things. One is education. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's a step that needs to happen around uh, educating people about, number one, how are your colleagues who themselves come from very different backgrounds, how do they experience this, um, not just the world, but, but actually like, on a, in a more narrow way, how do they experience go cardless? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I was recently on a call with um, actually the leads of each one of our employee run groups that I mentioned earlier, right. All of the, the theme of the conversation was um, how do we make sure that um, we continue the momentum of DNI initiatives into the new year. Mm-hmm. And I, at one point I said, you know, that we always talk about diversity. We don't really talk about inclusion. And I think we need to start talking about inclusion more because it's great to be able to check the box and say, we have X percent of women and X percent of, you know, um, minorities, et cetera. But uh, how do we make sure that those people are then set up for success in the company? And I, and I said, uh, because, you know, while we're on this call, we are all probably experiencing this call in very different ways. <laughs> and people were nodding <laughs> very vigorously <laughs> when I said this. And it's just, you. I think it's easy to make assumptions about, well, this is how I'm experiencing life at Go Cardless. So this is how everybody experiences it. But actually it will be totally different whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're white or not, whether you're uh, older or younger, et cetera. And so there's this education that needs to happen about come come spend a minute in my shoes and 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 come experience life the way i experience it right mm-hmm. and so i think that's the the first step and then the the other piece of the education is um educating people about why it's important to have the conversation mm-hmm. because i think sometimes when people come from cultures that are more tight-lipped if you will it's because there's this belief that it's better to not talk about it mm-hmm. than to talk about it because talking about it will lead to bad things <laughs> and actually if you're able to show to people here's the positive impact that you can have even on one person's experience of of work right if you have the conversation mm-hmm. that will hopefully um encourage more people to to be a part of it 
I think that's a really nice place for us to um, to round up this podcast. I just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for sharing so much about your experience. And in the same way, I hope people listening can put themselves in your shoes as a leader and understand a little bit more around the process that you've been through over the last year and feel that sense of connection as well. So thank you so much. Thank um, you very much. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you have a lovely Christmas. Thank you. You too. And hopefully we can chat soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay.